Radio advertising is good. Why should you advertise on the Tan Talk Radio Network, AM 1340? Well, it's simple. We are a local radio station with local shows that target our local communities and local listeners. We have a variety of shows that cover a multitude of informative and interesting topics, such as automotive and boating, real estate and finance, health and medical, politics and law, sports and fishing, pet care, and more. Why, we are even home to Imus in the Morning. We also have shows about comedy, food and dining, religion, fashion, local community events and activities and a variety of music. Talk Radio provides a listening format that appeals to a large cross-section of people. Whether you are in your car, at work, at home, everyone has a radio. And we are streamed live on the Internet. And past shows are podcasted so you, the listener, can play back your favorite shows over and over again. The possibilities are endless. So that, my listeners, is why you should advertise on the Tam Talk Radio Network, AM 1340. Listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship, par 72, plus another nine-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. Go? Oh, he can really go. He can really screw it on. <laughs> <laughs> 
of these scrambles. $5,000? Boy, I'd sure like to win me $5,000. Yeah, dummy, uh, come here. If you win, they give you one of these beautiful gold statues. That's what they Solid gold? Sure, solid gold. Dip. What are you doing with it? Hey, you take it home to your mother. Yeah, then you throw it away. All of you stand back. Hey, where can I get me one of these jazzy suits? I want to look like a street cleaner, too. Hey, who are you? What are you doing here? Are you a cop or something? Huh? Don't push anybody. Okay, okay, break it up. We got enough entertainment around here. I've seen enough of you guys to last me forever. Now hit the road. I mean right now. Get going. We want to watch the thrilling races, Daddy. <laughs> One more cute remark and you won't be riding any sickles. I'll put the bunch of you away for a month. Now get going. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and race fans, you are tuned in to another episode of the Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, Cedric, how you doing? He's on the phone. Okay, hey, uh, I got a guest with me tonight, a good friend of mine, Chris. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great, Robert. How you doing? So, uh, what'd you do today? I looked at some fantastic cars. Looked at some fantastic cars. Good. We'll get to that in a second. But, uh, hey, we got a great guest tonight, and of course, we got some cool music, and... That's what I was get. Oh, yeah, we have a very, very special guest tonight. But anyway, let's go back to you, Chris. Tell us a little bit about what you did. Tell us about your auction again. Chris is our special guest, or one of our guests this evening, and uh, he's sitting here with me, but three feet away. So, Chris, tell us about your uh, your escapades today. Well, today, you know, we're consigning cars uh, for our upcoming event that's uh, taking place at the Tampa Bay Fairgrounds this October 14th and 15th. We're having a collector car auction, and uh, consignments are coming in, and I've been running around looking at some of the finest cars that uh, the state of Florida and the country actually has to offer. Super. Like, what were some of the cars you looked at today? Uh, today, I got a treat. I saw a totally <coughs> restored from original 64 Chevrolet Impala two-door hardtop with a 327, 300-horsepower Corvette engine and a factory four-speed with a dash-mounted tack, and the car is absolutely immaculate. Wow. What color is the car? It's a silver-blue metallic with the blue... Bucket seat interior with the console. Well, that, console. That's, that sounds pretty. You know, usually they're black, they're white, they're red, or something like that. But it's pretty silver blue. That's kind of cool. Well, it was great that they kept true to the car and uh, kept the color of this factory color. Is this kind of a fairly original looking piece, it's or is it absolutely bone stock original? What would you say the value of a car like that is, um, if you had to guess? Know, between uh, twenty five and 30000 Yeah, that's about the market on them. Okay, so tell us, the, the auctions were at the Tampa Fairgrounds. It's at the Tampa Fairgrounds uh, this October 14th and 15th. Where, uh, You're running simultaneously with the uh, Street Ride Nationals, right? That's correct. All right, so there'll be a lot of people there. Uh, okay. The place is going to be mobbed, and uh, it's going to be a real fun time, and we're going to have great cars and uh, great... Uh, a great venue. A really great venue. All right. Now, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they go about that? And then tell them about your website. Well, uh, they can call 855-552-7696. That'll reach me directly. Or they can go to the website at www.crowncollectorcars.com. And you brought a sports car market uh, magazine with you, and you got a feature ad in there, don't you? Oh, sure. We're in we're in five or six uh, of the most popular uh, Car magazines, DuPont so, Registry, the, of course, Hemmings, Motor News, The Bible of Cars. Vintage Motorsport Magazine. Vintage Motorsports, as you mentioned, Keith's uh, Sports Car Marketplace, and a very, very uh, well-read Old Cars magazine. Super. Now, your auction, you're going to have kind of, it's going to be kind of eclectic a little bit. You're going to have first-hand quality cars, so it's not going to be, you know, just your cut-rate kind of, let's say, Zephyr Hill kind of cars. You're going to have decent stuff, and you're going to have a variety of cars, too, a good eclectic collection of stuff. We are going to have a variety, but we stick true to the collector car and the classic car. Uh, You're not really going to see any late model uh, Mercedes, Beamers, Jags, as you might see at some of the other Mm -hmm. auctions where we... We try to consign everything from 79 and older. The only new stuff we have are, of course, the big-name exotics, Ferrari, Lamborghini, and, and okay. so on. And then you went and uh, you tell us about, or tell us about the, uh, you looked at a 40, 40th anniversary Corvette. Yes, I did. Uh, I looked at a 40th anniversary Corvette today that was 
you know, the 40th anniversary was uh, a little milestone for Corvette. It was it's a C4, which is, you know, amongst Corvette collectors is not high on their list, but it's a great car. C4s are a wonderful entry level car for a Corvette enthusiast to start his or her collection. Um, however, this car has seen its better days, mm-hmm. and I uh, I decided that it wasn't really right for our auction. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's interesting. At any rate, so you're going to have foreign sports cars. You're going to have muscle cars. You're going to have mid-50s classics. You're going to have pretty much a, a, a whole a huge variety of car, vintage race cars. So you're going to have a little of everything there for everybody. Absolutely. Everybody that comes is going to find something that they love, and they're going to see a very fine example of that car. Okay, good. Hey, said we got that uh, tape deck working yet? That old uh, Lear tape jack <laughs> out of a nice Betamax. Betamax, yeah. That would we, that was a that could have been a dealer installed or a aftermarket and aftermarket installed option. Oh, probably for the '64 Chevrolet, maybe back then. Because when the eight track come out, or these that came out what '64, five, six, hmm. or in there. I wasn't even born yet. You weren't born yet. Wasn't oh, you, born you, yet. you missed the good times. I know. I heard that that at some point they had record players for cars back in the in yes, the they old did in olden days in the fifties. Yeah, and they had them. In fact, all your high end cars, your Cadillacs, your Lincolns yep. had them, and uh, we have a customer that actually has one of them. That's we'll, pretty cool. Does it still work? Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, and you know what's amazing is contrary to what people believe, they didn't really skip all that bad. They had a little little damper in the yep. bottom, so if it did go over bumps or something like that, it actually kind of... Was it just other mechanical problems or, or just expense? Well, or? it was sound quality, for yeah. one. That was the big issue with it. But uh, Anyway, let's play this cool. song, because it's definitely not on one of those old vintage car <laughs> record players. And, of course, I don't know if you guys got... Well, this is an AM station, so it's mono, isn't it? Yeah. But it still sounds It'll good. It sound good. Okay. Right. For you guys. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. 
Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Okay, we're live and we're back. We're sitting here in uh, downtown Clearwater. And uh, my friend uh, Chris is sitting here with the uh, Crown Collector Car Auction. Be sure and check that out. Check out his website. That's uh, also on the October 14th and 15th here. Hey, real uh, quick shout-out to uh, everybody out there at uh, Naughty Nancy's. It's open mic night at Naughty Nancy's, so be sure and check her or show up there a little bit later. That's uh, right behind the studio here, right off Myrtle, right on the trail. It's a quarter of a mile north of Drew Street. The phone number is 446-3717. Also on Clearwater Beach, if you're down that way. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill also has a open mic night, okay? And then, of course, my friend uh, Pete down at Sneaky Pete's in St. Pete's. Sneaky Pete's Scoops and Subs on Saturday. They have this car show every Saturday, 5 to 9. It's 5507 38th Avenue North in Pinellas Park. 5507 38th Avenue North in Pinellas Park. Give them a call. Show up there. If you can win a little prize there, uh, instead of getting a trophy, guess what? You get scoops of ice cream. You get a milkshake. You get a malt. You might even get a hot dog. Give them a call. 727-343-3030. 727 3330 mentioned nostalgic radio and cars and a guy that i just met the other day on the telephone they called me inquiring about a car that i have uh, listed through a friend of mine a big shout out to jim reed who's a new listener in arkansas at our sister station or affiliate station at klrg little rock arkansas now we do actually have people that listen there and we are broadcasted live so they're about an hour hour and a half behind hour two hours behind us something like that but anyway, hey, we got that next uh, song. Let's fire that up. You got our guest? Guest and song. Oh, wow, super, super, that? super. We're on top of things tonight. Yeah, click, 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 click. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater, Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, manicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries, or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a nice glass of vino. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olti create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. 
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure and mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So, hey, be sure and run to your computers and Google, what is it, tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live in the studio. I'm sitting here with Chris from Crown Collector Car Auction, and uh, my son, who's hiding in the corner here, but that's okay. Anyway, it's just about the moment of truth to introduce our special guest for the evening. So let's just roll this little clip, and uh, this real live clip here. Go ahead and play that, and then we'll have our guest. Let's meet our next team of challenges. Is your name, please? My name is Denise McCluggage. What is your name, please? My name is Denise McCluggage. What is your name, please? My name is Denise McCluggage. Again, panel, will you follow along with your copies of this next affidavit? I, Denise McCluggage, am a sports writer for the New York Herald Tribune. Under my own byline, I cover mostly skiing and sports car racing. I am proficient in both sports. For a time, I was a ski instructor and have also skied in competition here in the United States. I own and publish a semi-monthly newspaper on sports car racing and have owned and raced several cars of my own. I have raced in competition all over the United States as well as in South America and Europe. Next month, for the second year in a row, I will drive a car in the famous 12-hour endurance race at Sebring, Florida. Signed, Denise McCluggage. You heard these three ladies all claim to be Denise McCluggage, sports writer and racer. We'll start this examination with uh, Betty White. Betty? Number one, what are you driving in the endurance race next? I'm driving the TR3. Uh, number three, what are you driving? A Lotus. And number two, what are you driving? An Oscar. Okay. There we have it now. Let's find out whether we're right or wrong as we discover which one of these three equally charming ladies is the real sports writer and racer. So we'll reveal Denise McCluggage, please. Stand up. Okay, it gives me great pleasure, and I'm delighted to introduce to my show the world famous uh, and probably more foremost, or, or most proficient and most well known and well recognized lady racer and lady journalist, the real Denise McCluggage. Are you there, Denise? Yeah, is it all right if I sit down? Yes, you can. You can sit down now. We're all laughing for you. Okay. So how do you th- how'd you like that intro? Did you like that one? Well, uh, that's uh, from a very very old TV show. <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's running on YouTube now. In fact, I have it on my own website because uh, everyone seemed to get such a kick out of it. it I found it um, slightly <laughs> on the appalling side, but that's all right. <laughs> well, anyway, how'd that all come about? How do you get? How does one get? Uh, Kind of like uh, invited to go to or to get on the show to uh, to tell the truth. I mean, what are some of the features that they? What what did they ask you? I mean, well, you know, I mean, obviously you're a well known, well recognized individual back in those days. But uh, how is it they came about uh, asking you? Well, I think they like uh, variety, mm-hmm. and uh, I was really quite a rarity then. A, a woman uh, sports writer was very rare. A woman race car driver was very rare. So. Um, I don't know. They they called me, and I thought, uh, why not? So I did it. Super. Did you have fun doing it? Did you have to do much rehearsing or anything, or was it just? Uh... Uh, no, actually, the you know the the format is that there are three people, and um, two of them are imposters claiming to be you. And the rule is the only rule is really that uh, the real person has to tell the truth as much as she knows it, anyhow. And uh, the others can lie and, uh, in fact, are encouraged to and uh, can be as inventive as they wish. And the, those two women were just terrific. They were so good. And uh, they, I got caught up on the thing, from not from anybody knowing anything about racing, but from knowing the Herald Tribune, Right, and uh, they hung out at Sardi's with the um, 
guy who had been a, 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 a critic, a theater critic on the, on the paper, and had just announced his retirement. And they knew him, and so they asked me what was the name of the guy recently retired from the theater desk at the Herald Tribune. Well, I knew it, so I had to say it. Uh, and uh, that was something only but anybody working right. for the paper would have known. So that's how I got caught out. Even then, I got one vote mm. of, uh, or something. I mean, I got three votes. One, one doubter of oh, one me. doubter, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that, uh, that sounded like that might have been a fun show. Let me ask you a question now. Let's go back to the very beginning. How did you, a little girl from Kansas, uh, wind up in San Francisco and then wind up in car racing? So what got your well, peak interest when you, I know you were telling me some stories about, uh, you're, you're from the Midwest. Yeah, I was from uh, Topeka, Kansas. And I uh, went off at age 16 on a train all by myself to go to college in uh, California at Mills College, and uh, I liked it out there. I liked California. Uh, so after coming home, after graduation, to, uh, I agreed to come home and go to business school to learn how to type. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then went back to San Francisco and uh, ended up, finally, I, I decided I wanted to work for the Chronicle, and so I just kept bothering them every day. So finally, out of exasperation, they gave me a job. <laughs> you wore them out, so to speak. Hmm? You wore them out, so to speak, so they had no choice but to hire you. Well, no. no? I mean, they, they, uh, I, I had talked to the top guy for a while, and uh, we got along well, and he was amused by me, I guess, or something. And he said, um, well, uh, there's nothing here now, but check back. And I took him at his word and went back the next day. And he said, well, I, um, you know, I said, well, who knows? Someone might have stepped in front of a Mack truck overnight or something, and I didn't want to miss the opportunity. <laughs> so uh, then I would, they, uh, so I just kept doing that. And uh, finally they found me a job that wasn't one I wanted, but it was a job, and it was a temporary job. And so I was there on the scene, and... Uh, then I did get hired to a job I wanted, which was uh, writing for the uh, Sunday magazine section. And I, you know, so it's uh, if you're if you make a nuisance of yourself, it it can pay off, I guess. <laughs> okay, now when you were a little girl, you were telling me that uh, you used to go to some of the uh, fairs. In Kansas there, and what kind of got your interest as a young child is that you saw your dad and your mom and your family, you guys used to watch uh, Roundy Round dirt track racing, right? Well, uh, there was there were uh, dirt track racing at the at every year at the fair. Mm -hmm. uh, famous people like Rex Mays came in and threw dirt all around and uh, made, you know, dust clouds in the sky for a long time after. And uh, when we would go to Colorado for um, uh, to get out of the Kansas heat, uh, we would always go to the end our summer on Labor Day was then when they ran the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. Now they do it in July, but then it was the closing of the summer, as it were. And uh, I was fascinated by that, and uh, particularly by Louis Unser, who was the great uh, uh, king of the hill and and uh, the uncle of the answers we know today of uh, Al Sr. And, and Bobby. And uh, he was my hero. I'm, so I would, would play in the little uh, gas cars that they had that looked like race cars that would go about 10 miles an hour, cost you 10 cents to drive them around for a while. I was about 9, 10 years old then, and I would pretend I was Louis Unser and, and try to get the steering crossed up and then slide in the dirt, but <laughs> 10 <laughs> miles an hour was not exactly on. 
Wow. Okay, so then when when you started racing, when you left California, did you do any racing in California? Or was that not until you got into well, New no, York? Well, no, I got a car in okay. California. I had a, um, uh, I bought an MGTC, which were uh, British cars were just becoming into the country at that time, and uh, Shell Cavalli had just opened his uh, British uh, motor company uh, on uh in San Francisco, selling Jaguars and TCs and things like that, and MZs. There were only TCs at that time. And uh, there was one that uh, a friend of mine who worked for the Chronicle was a real car nut, and he said, we've got to go over there. So I fell so madly in love with this car, this little black TC. Uh, It looked like a, a lone roller skate. It was just remarkable and i absolutely had to have that car i just i am going to have that car i have got to have that car and my (laughs) desire was so strong that the british pound was devaluated overnight and they (laughs) dropped the price (laughs) and so i called my daddy back in kansas and and got an eighteen hundred dollar loan which was the that cost of the car at that time. Things were simpler then. Oh, yes. No question. So then, uh, what did you start uh, racing that car in any kind of club, club events? No, I didn't. I didn't uh, race the TC at any time. I did try a rally of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything was a little primitive then. Mm-hmm. But uh, I tried a rally uh, of... Uh, and which gave you an excuse to go out and drive very fast on uh, on bad roads, and <laughs> it was that was fun. But I did an article for the for the Chronicle on a um, a driving school that had just started uh, for uh, uh, midgets, mm-hmm. uh, well, full size people, midget cars, and uh, I uh, was. You know, as a journalist, uh, you're welcome anywhere, usually, uh, even if you're a girl. Uh, no women allowed in most of the racing scenes, but I was the only woman in this class of about 40 or so. And it seemed I had a natural knack for driving on the dirt. I think it was watching Louis Unser in those early years. Mm-hmm. And it was terrific. I got to to drive midgets and uh, in the school, and then uh, the guy who was one of the instructors, one of the uh, professors at the school, also raced it uh, in the um, BCRA, it was called, the group that raced in midgets around the Bay Area. And he would let me run it out of fuel after the races were over at various of the... Of the uh, places around, so I, um, I just that is still, I think, just the greatest feeling to drive on dirt like that. It's just full drifts, you know, crossed up steering, and it's a remarkable feeling. You know, it's amazing. Even more amazing is the fact that it's coming from a woman. You know, and I have to respect you for that because I think that's really, really cool. So now, when did you get into the? Well, why not? Why not a woman? No, why no, that's what I'm saying. Said. That's what's good. I mean, no, I mean, you know, cause... I mean, women ski, women uh, sail, women. Those feelings are the same. That's true. I mean, true. Uh, of course, that was the general attitude then. Uh, of course, that women uh, wouldn't like cars, wouldn't like uh, driving, but. Uh, some of us do, and more and more. Mm-hmm. Now, did you when you got into um, racing at uh, what was kind of like one of the first racing venues that you got involved well, with? Well, when I when I I went to I moved to New York, mm-hmm. which was my uh, uh, I just wanted to go to New York, and uh, uh, which I did, and. I got a job at the Herald Tribune after a while, again, being persistent and going in every day. And finally, finally, they found a job for me there, too. And uh, then I became a sports writer. I was in the women's feature department. But I had uh, written an article about a short piece about uh, a ski thing that I had done, a ski adventure. I hadn't skied in the East 
for a long bit since I had gotten there from California, and I went up one weekend to Bromley and had a great time. So I wrote about it and took it to the sports editor, and he liked it, and then suggested that I might come from the move from the women's department to the sports department. And uh, wow, yes, you know. And so I was going to cover skiing. And uh, I mentioned that a new sport was starting up, uh, beginning to be better known around, uh, called sports car racing. It was, uh, there had been a few races at, uh, in the, out on Long Island on, uh, through the ordinary streets and in Watkins Glen. But it was beginning to move then to airport courses or specially built courses. And uh, so I said I'd like to cover that as well. No one, no one was covering it at all, and on daily newspapers particularly. And there were monthly magazines that took six weeks to get an article in, you know, about any race or other. And uh, while covering a junior yacht race, of all things, I... Uh, met Briggs Cunningham, who was, of course, a great yachtsman and uh, very uh, noted in uh, automobile racing as well. And uh, he was interested in helping me get uh, do good coverage and get the, publicize the sport more and so forth. So he was very helpful to me. And uh, so I, I started doing what I wrote about which I had been doing as a skier, anyhow, and uh, later uh, parachutist. I uh, wrote an article about sport parachuting and and made a couple of jumps, six or so, and uh, I just uh, was doing that. Whatever I covered, I'd, I uh, would do or try, because that was the idea was to... Um, Give a first hand. It's going to be a bridge from the experience to, right. the, to the reader. So, my first race car was uh, a Jaguar, an XK140 uh, MC, which was, it was in effect, uh, was a very heavy car. It had a convertible top and all of that. But it was a race car, and, uh, and it, it qualified. So, I. Uh, I drove that. It was simpler then because everybody, most people, drove their cars to the races and drove in the race. And then one hoped drove home, unless, of course, they had... <laughs> it broke, had, you crashed. Kind of had a little bit of damage or something. But um, that was one reason that over time, fewer and fewer people drove to the races. They either were towed or had a... a Eventually, had um, trailers and and uh, Briggs always had great eighteen wheelers for his race cars because uh, he had a number of them. And uh, uh, if anything, uh, he was nearest of a professional um, advocate than anybody. I mean, he was a grand amateur, the greatest amateur ever in in yachting and everything he did, but. He had enough money that he could afford the accoutrements of a, of a pro. There was no pro racing then at all in sports cars, of course. Uh, there was a major difference between oval track racing and the sporty cars, as the oval guys, the oval people called the, uh, called the uh, sports car racers. People didn't mix that much at that time. It was quite a quite a time, quite a long time after that uh, they started racing in each other's races. Now, what year would this be about? Approximately, is this like early fifties, fifty two, fifty three, fifty four, somewhere around in there? Yeah, with mid fifties. Okay, mid fifties. So it was after the terrible accident in Le Mans that I met Briggs, and that was fifty five. Okay. So it was the end of the fifties. And uh, so I started really racing. I mean, my first race at Sebring, I think, was 50, 
57 or 58. I think I actually, I was down for a practice in a car on 57, but I don't um, I don't believe it. I don't remember. Someone said, oh, yes, you did. And I said, no, I don't remember it, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I do remember uh, a Fiat Abarth, a double bubble that had belonged, that belonged to Briggs, and that was in um, 58. Okay. And I believe it was. <laughs> but anyway, my my racing career was, if you call it that, was the next 10 years, more or less. And uh, I never actually quit. Um, I was just busy doing other things as well, but I mean, even now, if somebody offered me a, a car for Sebring or something, I'd say, hell yes, let's do it. <laughs> That's the spirit. That's what I want to hear. Okay, now, how, how, what was your affiliation with Porsche? Because you raced some five some uh, 550s Porsches back in those days, right? Yeah, well, Briggs had a, a number of Porsches. He, he got all the interesting cars. He had, I drove uh, the Fiat Aberth form. I drove Oscars. Mm-hmm. And then the Porsche... Uh, the 550 RS, uh, and well, the 550 when it first came out, and the 550 RS later. And um, there was an event, a great, great thing called Nassau at that time. And Nassau Speed Weeks were in the early part of December, and it was an effort by a guy named Red Christ, a promoter of that, to, um, he sold it as a way to expand the uh tourist traffic to Nassau uh, pre-season, because they were very strict at that time about seasons. Somehow nobody would go to Nassau before December 15th. I mean, it was like uh, wearing white before Easter or something like that. It was one of those things you just didn't do. And so this event was, uh, there was one for a couple of speed weeks, for one were for boats and one and and uh, then the uh, sports cars and it was fantastic uh, people from all over would come uh, the amateurs and those who were actually uh, serious professional drivers like Phil Hill and Maston Gregor and Carol Shelby and uh, Fon Portago and Sterling Moss had a, a house in uh, Nassau as well, and he was always there. It was kind of a vacation party race, uh, unimaginably fun. And uh, it was such a mixture. If you can imagine just going to some great place uh, and uh, driving cars until your uh, ears ached (laughs) and then having parties and... uh, great soft breezes and wonderful music and and that liquid sound of steel drums through this soft air and all the people that you wanted to know <laughs> were there and uh, it would go on for a week um, can you imagine anything well, better no i mean really when you think about it, you're talking phil hill you're talking carol shelby you're talking sterling moss you uh, i'm sure fonjo was there at Mass and Gregor, uh, I mean, no, these... he was he was oh, he wasn't there at, at Nassau. I don't believe he might have been. Uh, I was there. It's not every every year, but most okay. years. But everybody showed up at, uh, and also the the best of the of the uh, SCCA drivers from across the country would show up as well. And uh, uh, they had. I would drive. They also had what they called ladies' races, and I always drove those because it gave me another chance to drive besides being in the uh, regular races. But often those were uh, wives of guys who had cars uh, would get to drive. And so there was a great mixture of of cars and uh, (coughs) uh, ranging from, gosh, TCMGs to... D-type Jaguars toward the end there. Uh, So that was, um, it just, again, was a great fun. And I had a a good friend uh, from California. Uh, She was a racing driver. She was from, it was one of those kind of things that was 
their girl, and I was the East Coast girl. And they tried to make a great... Um, Competition out of it? Uh, you know, a hair pull out of this or okay. something. And, I, you know, I thought, well, guys can be friends and competitors. Why do they have to make this like, uh, um, you know, a, a dogfight or something? And so I invited her to drive with me at a race in Elkhart Lake. And it blew her mind because she was very much into the California uh, <laughs> uh, racing scene at that time in which they would, in effect, sick their girlfriends on somebody else's girlfriends in the, in the <laughs> cars. It was, um, it was a parody of racing in that regard. So she was delighted to be a friend, and then I invited her. I had I could bring a guest to Nassau, and so I invited her to be my guest at Nassau as well. And she had a, a, a Porsche uh, one and a half liter, you know, the RS, by some guy in California, owner in California. So we were going to see once and for all. You there? We'd lose you. Okay. Hello? I think we lost her. Okay, just for a second there. Um, try to get her back on the phone, because I think what happened is we might have had a communication problem. Anyway, you know, that, Denise McCluggage is an extremely interesting guy. What do you think? Or gal, what do you think? Uh, I, I can't believe the stories that I'm listening to. Hello? I think that they're... Oh, here she's okay, back. Okay, she back? Yeah, I think we yeah, lost you. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, we lost you there for a second. Oh, really? Yeah. Good heavens. Yep. Hey, tell us quickly uh, the story about when you were driving your Ferrari 250. Well, I want to, I would like to finish the oh, okay. story about Ruth and me in Nassau. Okay. Go ahead. Because uh, Sterling Moss took quite a fancy tour. He wasn't then married. He was, uh, and he was driving an Aston Martin for John Weir. So he said, don't drive the Porsche. Use the Aston Martin. I thought, oh, great, 3.7 against 1.5 liters. But we shall see. So anyway, it was two heats, and uh, I did manage to beat her. So uh, was, <laughs> that was good. The, she went off the road badly, trying to pass me in the last last turn, the last, and uh, she just didn't stop, and went off the road and wrecked the car. And so Sterling had to drive something that he had sworn he would never drive because of the way he had been treated by Enzo. And so he drove a Ferrari oh, <laughs> in that okay. race. But that was why, because Ruth had wrecked his uh, his Aston. But that that race was one of those. It went down in history, as it were. I mean, Frank Blunk at the New York Times said it was the best race he had ever seen. So we had... Uh, uh, it was it was good competition, and I actually took her to the hospital because she had you know flipped and and she was fine. I said, "What happened? Did you run out of brakes?" She said, "No, I ran out of brains." <laughs> courage, too much courage. Tell us real quickly about the uh, the story when you were driving your Ferrari and uh, Dick Thompson. Or was it was it Dick Thompson? And uh, yeah. you raced against him, and he kind of, you guys were kind of like uh, door handle to door handle, and then he you, he got in front of you and just nudged your Ferrari just a little bit. Well, my Ferrari was the one I'd raced at Sebring with a jazz musician who had, had uh, never raced before, and uh, so uh, it was kind of a novelty. To, but we did, we finished, like, I think. Tenth overall, or whatever, and first in class, and first in the GT category, and uh, so I had that car. That was uh, not only my only car; it was my only thing. Uh, it was I drove it on the street as well as uh, in races, and uh, I had driven it out to Chicago and raced at Meadowdale and, and had a great race there with Don Yanko. And then uh, I was up in uh, at Thompson Raceway and uh, started out a 10-lap race on Saturday before then. And Bob Grossman was there with his Ferrari and then and Dickie Thompson driving a Corvette and somebody else, like, you know, everybody would. And Bob Grossman had kept admiring my wheels and say, boy, he wanted that those wheels on my car. I don't know why they were special, but he would. Anyway, uh, I 
I thought, well, nice, I've got good wheels, here we go. But going into the first turn at the drop of the flag, and we're going that, and I was aware that Dickie was on the outside of me. I had a, about two feet on him, a you know, nose ahead of his. But he really had slightly better line, and then I realized he wasn't going to back off at all. And if he didn't, I had to, because that was my car, <laughs> uninsured. That was my life. Everything wrapped I had wrapped up into that. I had uh, my furniture was orange crates for bookshelves, but I had a Ferrari. <laughs> and my priorities were right. So I stood on the binders as hard as I could, and even then he cut across my nose and knocked the that uh, bevel on the round the headlights off click i could see it turning slowly into the sunshine and clinking back and uh i thought oh boy uh this is not a wise thing to be doing and i don't know where i finished in that heat but i had decided then and there that bob grossman could have my wheels he could indeed have the entire car so after the race, I went to Bob and I said, uh, put your wheels on this car and uh, you take these and I'm driving home right now. I'll drive up to your place Monday morning. I'm not going to stay for the race. <laughs> I think I've, I've had enough of this car right now and uh, you can buy it. So I took it up there and I got $6,000 in a used Mini. Use me. And uh, th- by the way, that was a Ferrari 250 short wheelbase, wasn't it? LM. Yeah, yeah. So that was a very rare I, car. I think they're, uh, they sell for close to a million now. Yeah, million. Timing is everything. I felt <laughs> lucky to get out from under it. <laughs> well, Denise, we're just about out of time. And unfortunately, okay. we didn't get to cover everything I wanted to. But we got about, how much time we got left, Cedric? About two minutes. Well, all right. So okay, uh, I would like I would like to uh, commercial here. Okay, go ahead. I would like people to go to denisemcluggage dot com, my new website, and I've got a lot of pictures and stuff on there, and a lot of my writing from the last fifty, sixty years. So, and now you have a lot of photography too, and a lot of pictures you're going to yeah, sell. Yeah, right? I've got some photographs for sale, some of my vintage photographs as well. But there's just more than you want to know about me. I tell you. Well, that's good. I mean, we we were. We, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You've been very impressive. I wish we could have covered more. But we're next time. What I want to do is when I have you back on the show again is talk about some of the most interesting, fascinating race car drivers and celebrities, including Steve McQueen, that you've interviewed. So, in the meantime, I'm going to let you go. I want to thank you again for coming on the show, Chris. I want to thank you for showing up. We got how many seconds left? Okay, one minute. And uh, okay. Denise, do you want to say something real quick? For you got thirty yeah. seconds. DeniseMcCluggage.com. DeniseMcCluggage.com, okay. And the yeah. world-famous, world-famous, most notorious lady driver and female motorsports journalist. Okay, everybody, we'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, be a good person, good person. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right, Chris, okay, we'll see you. Remember, Crown Collector Car Auction, October 14th and 15th at Tampa Fairgrounds. Go to the website, www.crowncollectorcars.com. That's it. We're out of here. Over to Naughty Nancy's for Open Mic Night. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Petersburg. WDCF, Dade City, Zephyr Hills, and Wesley Chapel. And KLRG, Sheridan, Little Rock, Arkansas.